you beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast, where we have real, meaningful, and fun conversations with people who inspire us, and sometimes we just have them with each other. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon, and unlike when we recorded this interview, we are very well-rested and ready to rock. Oh my God, you are so right, because we did record this one at one in the morning, which has to be some sort of record. But it was so, so worth it because our guest was just so freaking fantastic. Mm. But before we get into that... Yeah, I'm feeling pretty rested because I've just had two weeks off of work. It's been pretty funny in lockdown because I feel like no one's really taking any annual leave. And I was just feeling a little bit burnt out. I'd been working nonstop for quite a while. I realized I'd missed a couple of overseas holidays that I was meant to have taken. So I thought, why not just take a little staycation in my house? And I actually ran myself a retreat. So cool. You've got to tell us about that. What does running yourself a retreat look like? Well, I have this incredible new meditation teacher that I have been sharing about in our Facebook group, How to Live the Podcast. Her name Tara Brock and I've discovered her while in lockdown. I've been reading her book, Radical Acceptance, and I noticed a link in a newsletter that she sent out saying you could create your own retreat at home. And she had suggested timetables, suggested links to things. And so it was like a lot of meditation, a lot of self-reflection, journaling. I did add in my own little bits, like some dancing in the SAR method as per our podcast guest last week, Sada Simone, obviously. Some breath work. And really, I think that there's something in taking taking some time alone. Ronen took Panther and they went down the coast and went to his parents' house by the beach. So I had our house all to myself, some walks in nature. And I really just recreated an experience I had on a retreat last year in the UK. And I realized that the key thing was being alone because we don't do a lot of being alone. And if you're a talker like I am, you do a lot of talking a lot of the time and not a lot of thinking and self-reflecting. I'm just imagining all the mums also that might be listening to this thinking like, oh my God, (laughs) a week alone sounds like freaking heaven. So I definitely think it's something a lot of people can relate to. Yeah, totally. So if anyone can even get a day on their own, the best part about it is it was free. You know, your at-home retreat is free, people. You just have to get away from the people in your life somehow, get time to yourself and go for it. I really, really recommend it. It was an amazing period of self-reflection. So good. Okay, let's get into today's episode with the incredible Asia Kate Dillon. So Asia is an unbelievably talented actor, best known for their role as Taylor Mason and Billions, which we love, also known for their role in Orange is the New Black. And they are gender non-binary and they have this beautiful, kind way of educating and explaining what this all means to people. We had such an interesting conversation with Asia. As we mentioned, it was 1am our time because they were in New York. We talked to them about forging their own path in Hollywood. Their amazing antidote to imposter syndrome. And we also talk about gender pronouns and not fitting into a specific box. If you've watched Billions, which is on Stan in Australia, you would know that it's such a masculine show. You know, it's about share trading and it's about men in business. So I think it's so cool that they have embraced this gender non-binary character. And we do chat all about that with Asia and so much more. Stick around till the end of the episode to find out who is on next week. And in the meantime, please enjoy Asia Kate Dillon. We're gonna make it loud. We're 
So I'm Jess. I'm Steph. And we both go by the pronouns she, her. And we're sisters. We're from Australia and it's currently 1am and we are very excited to be chatting to you. Setting a record for our weirdest time of interview of all time. Hey, you know what? I'm honored to be the interviewee that helps you take that award. It's really, honestly, it's a pleasure to talk to both of you. Thank you for taking the time and wanting to speak to me, especially at the hour that we're doing it. Well, we had actually something really great to keep us awake, which was that we were a couple episodes behind on Billions. So we've spent the last three hours recapping the last couple episodes of last season and watching the first one of this season. So it hasn't been the worst way to spend a night. No, that sounds incredible. I did a similar thing. My partner and I watched the last two episodes of the last season. And then we did basically what you did. You know, I'm a fan. I know I'm on the show, but I'm also a huge fan of the show. And so I love watching the episodes, especially because we're all together for the table reads, which is a real pleasure. But other than that, you know, I'm not on set when other actors are filming their scenes. So to see it all come together is so exciting. And I can feel just by talking to you how much you are playing a part. Yeah, the energy feels different. Totally different. Having just had a lot of Taylor, this is not Taylor at all. Well, thank (laughs) you. I think that that was a compliment. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. The energy is definitely a lot warmer. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, Taylor can be pretty cold. (laughs) Yeah, but a badass. So taking you back to the beginning, we'd love to hear about why you decided to start to pursue a career in acting. Well, it goes pretty far back. I mean, I was in my first play when I was in kindergarten. I didn't have any lines, but it was a um, a Hans Christian Andersen play. And I was like, I played a townsperson. I had a little costume, you know, but I remember just loving it. I had so much fun. I remember we performed for parents and siblings and teachers and everyone. And I just had a blast. And I think, as they say, I got bit by the bug. And then I just kept doing it. I started singing in elementary school. And then I was in plays in middle school and high school. It was the thing that I always thought I was going to do. There was a brief moment where I thought, maybe I'll be a lawyer. And then I thought, I can't deal with all that school. And also, if I'm an actor, I could just like play a lawyer. True. And any number of other things. Yeah, that's a much better option. I don't remember a time where I was like, okay, I'm decided I'm going to be an actor. But certainly there were any number of moments that came up. You know, I'm 35 over the course of 29 years that I've been acting, where you go like, gosh, this is hard. And like, I would only be doing this if it were the only thing that was my passion and that I felt I needed to be doing because otherwise it can be so hard. Definitely seems like it can be a brutal industry. From kindergarten, you had the small role, but then at some point along the way, you landed your big role. And by the way, we did notice you in Younger. Like, don't think that got past us. That's amazing. I remember the scene, having like a yard sale and you picked something up. Like, I saw you in that. Gosh, I really hoped that that would be a memorable, that people would remember (laughs) me for that. And I'm I'm really grateful. That was so fun. I remember I'm wearing most of my own clothes, actually, and was so excited and grateful to meet Patricia Fields, who did the costumes for that show. And she was the person who did my fitting with me. And I was just like, 
Yeah. And uh, she had her dogs there. And I just remember she was like, I love what you're already wearing, but let's just mix it up a little bit. And I was like, oh my gosh, she loves what I'm already wearing. <laughs> like it was oh like, a, and then of course I met Sutton Foster briefly. We were in the makeup trailer together and she's wonderful. And Debbie Mazur briefly was wonderful. Anyway, it was a great introduction. That was my first real time on a bigger professional TV set. And it was an incredible introduction. Everyone was so gracious. And I was like, this is everything. I want to do this all the time. And then I had a one-liner or a couple lines on Master of None, which I think happened after. And then Orange is the New Black and then and then Billions. Yeah. For us, being in Australia, we are very far removed from that whole world that you are very inside of. And from the outside, it seems like it can be like the most brutal place that you could ever possibly be in. Was there ever a time where you felt like that industry was really trying to change you? Or is it a place where you've always felt like you could be yourself? Hmm. Growing up in the time I grew up in, in America, but also just the world that we live in, have lived in, in particular for the last 30, 40 years, I was told, we were all told who we were supposed to be, what we were supposed to look like, even at times when those messages were contradictory. In the 90s, it was just as fashionable to be extraordinarily thin at certain times as it was to be very voluptuous. The window of who is acceptable and for how long and when, you know, is always very short. And it's been predominantly white people who are accepted, no matter what that window is focused on at any given time. So, I would say that I grew up with an awareness of how I was supposed to be or how I should be, how society was reflecting back to me, what I should look like, sound like, talk like, be interested in, et cetera. But I'm really lucky to have had an incredible, I was raised by an incredible single mother who's an artist and a writer and values art as one of the highest pillars of what keeps society going. And so I've always really valued art, been really grateful to be an artist I'm just thinking about art's impact in general, but particularly right now as we're all alone or sheltering in place with our families and and loved ones if we're lucky. And how now is a particular time when music, film, television, you know, whatever ways that we're absorbing our our media is, is bringing us closer together, hopefully. And so art is the thing that cracks me open, you know, and encourages me to go on a deeper journey to find my compassion and humanity. And so now more than ever, we need art. We need art to be doing what it's always done, which is connecting us, telling stories. That's a really nice way to look at it because from that response, I really get that it's such a creative experience for you and that acting is your creative outlet. That's where your passion is. So that's where you actually do feel most comfortable and where you are able to flourish because at the core of it is your goodness. Thank you. And I think being raised by a strong single mother, looking up to the artists that I looked up to when I was growing up, Nina Simone, just as one example, people who said unapologetically, this is who I am. I'm going to be the person that walks into a room and changes it for the better. Those are the people who inspired me. And so I think I'm lucky to have a constitution inherently, but also one that's been nurtured. That's like, look, I'm awesome. And if you don't think so, like you're missing out. And that doesn't mean that I don't struggle or that I don't have days where I go like, gosh, this is, I, am, am I awesome? But ultimately I'm like, yeah. Amazing. We all need a little bit of that. Yeah. I am awesome. Self-pep talk. It's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, I think occasionally a friend of mine will say something about themselves. You know, they'll say something like, oh, I'm so stupid. You know, and I'll be like, hey, don't talk about my friend that way. And I think if you think about yourself (laughs) as your own friend, right, 
then like you wouldn't talk about someone the way that you talk to or about yourself because you'd be a real jerk. I honestly think that I said something very similar you to did. that on the podcast last Two weeks ago, week. Yeah. yeah. Really? I completely agree with you. Like we're so hard on ourselves. We're such assholes to ourselves. And then the nicest person ever to our friends. What's up with that? We need to bring that into our own relationships with ourselves. Yeah, I agree. And I think we're all probably better at giving advice than taking it. I think that's a classic like human thing. Yeah, if we can say to someone else, like, look, it's okay. Like, take a break. You don't have to please everyone. You know, then we should be able to say, wait a minute. I can take a break. I don't have to please everyone. You know. For sure. So it's really cool to hear that you grew up with a parent that was just so open and loving and obviously created this space for you to just find yourself. You wouldn't have had a lot of people who were non-binary on TV when you were growing up. You didn't have those role models at all. So how did you kind of go about finding yourself and who you were without seeing people necessarily representing you? There was no media that came my way with anyone who was non-binary to begin with or non-binary who hadn't undergone some sort of physical or medical transition, which, you know, is some people's journey. And so for me, when I look back at my whole life, in the story of my life, the people who came in and out of it, whether they were people I met in real life or people I looked up to, celebrities or whoever, activists, like I said, they were all people who were probably independent of mind, who, as I said earlier, were like, I'm going to be a person who's going to try and make some change for good in the world. And or people who, I mean, definitely queer people, definitely, you know, Prince, Bowie. I mean, I just think people who were messing with our ideas of gender, gender roles, sexuality, those were the people I gravitated towards before I knew exactly why I was gravitating towards them. And then you know, as I got older and moved to New York City and was able to sort of live in the freedom of my early 20s amongst people who were also queer and exploring who they were, I was lucky to be in spaces where I was accepted, mostly when I was coming out as queer and uh, experimenting with my sexuality. And I would say it wasn't until gosh, my late 20s that I started dropping pronouns. Like if I was in a play, I just replaced it with my name. So it would say, you know, Asia Kate is a performer. Asia lives in New York, whatever. Not because I had an understanding that I was non-binary, but when I look back, as I said, it's like I can see the lineage and the steps of, of my becoming, which never ends. I mean, we're becoming every moment right now. But then, certainly, when I got the email for the audition for Billions, you know, it was the first time I'd ever seen a character breakdown that said non-binary. It was like, oh my gosh, someone's writing about this? Let me look into this more. I mean, it just, it opened up a whole new world of not necessarily non-binary identities or trans identities. I mean, I was in that world and familiar with that stuff. But what it opened up for me, Taylor is someone who was assigned female at birth, but had not undergone physical or medical transition and identified as non-binary. And I had never seen or read an example of that, which felt like the truest reflection of me that I had seen. But also Billions is a huge show on Showtime, you know, opened up this world of this idea that this character was going to be a major player on a major show and that I was going to get to do that. And it was Certainly coincidental, but synchronistic. And the value of that synchronicity was not lost on me. Hearing you speak about that, it's really just striking this chord with me that it's so important for people to live their truths. You know, when you talk about Prince and Bowie, 
They were out there living their truths. They inspired other people to do that. And just by you going out and completely living a life that's true to yourself and putting yourself out there, you're inspiring billions maybe, you know, so many other people to do that as well. And how powerful is that? And I feel like our generation now, we get that. We were discussing before how like our mom sees how openly we share and put ourselves out there on social media. And sometimes she's like, girls, should you really be sharing that? Yeah. Today she called me and she was like, oh, that made me so sad when you shared that. And I was like, no, it should have made you happy. It's amazing that I'm able to share my struggles with mental health with the world. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Like it's so fucking cool that we can all put ourselves out there in this way and connect with each other through this and really by living our truths, we're allowing everybody else to live their truths. Yeah, I think you've articulated that really well. And it's worth saying, like, it's certainly easier and safer for me to live out loud and proud because of the color of my skin. I mean, all over the world, but particularly in the United States, there is a an epidemic of violence against trans people, trans women of color in particular. And so I'm able to be visible because of primarily trans women of color who came before me. And if I can be one person on the trail (laughs) that was already blazed, that's like continuing to help, maybe not lead, but help blaze that trail, then I'm, I'm really honored. And I see it as part of that honor to continue to bring awareness to people who aren't able to live in their truth or be out and proud. And Trans Day of Visibility is particularly a day where I think about all of the people who can't be visible for whatever reason. Yeah, I'm just really grateful for all the acceptance that I've gotten. And I hold space for it to be because of who I am also, you know, like who I am inside and my talent and whatever. But also I think there are inherent systemic reasons as to why I'm more accepted and successful. And I think that's important to acknowledge that. And the way that you also use your platform because of all of these things to champion other minority groups, I think also speaks to that point that you clearly care a lot and acknowledge that as well, which is really important. It's amazing to hear about you reading about this character on Billions and really seeing yourself in Taylor. So when did you start to use they, them pronouns and how did that change your experience and make you feel? If I'm being honest, I cannot remember. I don't recall the exact moment (laughs) where I went, ah, now, but I know that it happened. (laughs) So episode two is where Taylor says my pronouns are they, theirs and them to Bobby Axelrod. I remember that moment in TV. We were all kind of like, ah, okay. Yeah. And I remember it just had to be sometime around there. I remember going into the first table read for Billions and, and using those pronouns, which was before we, I had read the second episode for the show. And when I got the second episode and be like, that the character would say that on television, (laughs) it was a really extraordinary moment for me. They, them, it's sort of indescribable. It like, it feels right. And it's not a fixed thing, meaning it's not like, ah, I have they, them, and that's how it's going to be forever. It's something I continue to check in with and it just feels right. It seems like you have a really beautiful way of educating people around this and speaking about it that it's okay to not get it right straight away and it's okay to ask the questions as long as people are open to learning and trying is that kind of how you feel about it totally the analogy i use is that if you tell me your name is jess right and and i call you sarah there are only so many times that you're going to let me call you sarah before you go okay so my name is jess and if you keep calling me sarah i'm going to have to assume that you're doing it to annoy me, get under my skin, or that you're, I mean, frankly, it's just disrespectful, right? 
So like, it's hard to remember people's names. I might mess it up a few times. I might be like, right, it's Jess, sorry. But eventually I have to work a little bit harder to get your name right, or it's disrespectful to you. And so I think pronouns can be put into that analogy where it's like, yes, there's going to be a learning curve. Yes, you're going to stumble, but eventually sooner rather than later, it's going to be about respect. Um, And that's where I think the second part of the answer comes in, which is I love having a deeper conversation about it. If it doesn't go any further than my pronouns, are they them? And someone goes, okay. And they just start doing it and there isn't a further conversation, that's fine. But if there is a deeper conversation about it, I love that because ultimately what happens a lot is the person I'm speaking with I watch them start thinking about why they identify the way they identify. And I'm talking about cis people, why they identify the way they identify, why they present the way they present, you know, and it's an incredible opportunity. Trans people, gender nonconforming people, non-binary people, we inherently have asked ourselves all those questions. We're thinking about all that stuff all the time. And not that cis people aren't thinking about or told to think about their appearance, certainly, or how they present to the world. But the questions that transgender, nonconforming, non-binary people are asking get into, I think, different places within one's emotions that I think only good can come out of excavation of those spaces. Yeah, it's just like turning inward and asking yourself the question, which is something that you're right, only good could come of that. How could that ever be a bad thing? Yeah. We've heard you talk about how you like it when somebody mentions their pronouns and it's actually something we've spoken about putting into an email signature. But to be totally honest, part of me is also like, I'm a white girl who identifies as she, her. So who the fuck am I to put that in my email signature? Hmm. I don't want to be jumping into a party that I wasn't invited to. But at the same time, I want to do everything to facilitate the party. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I really, really appreciate you articulating those feelings and that perspective because I know that you're not alone. And I'll just offer my best, (laughs) my best guess from my experience, which is when you both said your pronouns at the beginning of the interview, it was a real relief. I came into the interview ready to say my pronouns and ask what yours were because I enter a conversation with new people that way. But to have you do it first lets me know that, well, lets me know that you know what pronouns are first of all, (laughs) that you have thought about what yours are and that you're letting me know how you identify, which to me is like an open door for me to do the same. And therefore you're creating a safe space. And I think the thing about the email signature or saying it at the beginning of a meeting or what have you, you're only a tourist in doing that if you actually don't know what pronouns are or haven't thought about your own identity or haven't done any further research into like what they them pronouns are, what non-binary means. There's more excavating work to be done. You can't just put it in your email signature and be like, okay, I did it. Because then if someone goes, well, what does that mean? And you go, I don't know. <laughs> then your act does not hold water. And so I think I can say that you're both, you're doing all right. (laughs) I think you're exactly the type of people. We need white people. We need cis people. We need people who are at the sort of tops of the, the various hierarchies to be the ones speaking out about injustice and to amplify the voices of marginalized people because we occupy spaces that they often can't. Even myself as a trans person, I still carry white body privilege. And so, yes, I have some marginalized identities, but I also exist at the top of other hierarchies. And so for you, having the pronouns in your email signature, you're setting up a safe space. You're letting people know that hopefully you know what those things are and that they can ask you questions about them. And I hope, and I'll just say like, 
the next step is being prepared to answer those questions and engage in open conversations. If you're asked, what does that mean? Why is it important to you to have that in your signature? That's such interesting and excellent information. And I really appreciate you sharing it with us because I think that that's so constructive. Thank you for asking. We were pretty impressed with watching Billions the way everybody is so respectful of Taylor's pronouns. Yeah, like they're such dicks and they're not respectful of anything, but they're really respectful of the pronouns. It's such like an educational platform for people because they're just completely normalizing it. Yeah, and because it is respected, there have been a few times, more than once, but maybe less than a handful of times where Taylor's pronouns have not been respected. That character has really crossed the line and is doing that intentionally to belittle or patronize or disrespect Taylor. And it really comes off that way, which I'm grateful for the show, as you said, as an illustration of like what it looks like, (laughs) because it's not a good look for the person who's misgendering Taylor. So we'd love to hear how did you come to land the role on Billions? And were you completely freaking out when you found out about it? (laughs) Oh my God. So I got an email from my agent about the audition and I went in and I had an initial audition with the casting director, Alison Estrin, who's incredible. And I'm lucky. Allison and I, we hit it off personally right away. I mean, the moment I walked in the room, there was just sort of a mutual energy and good vibe. But in the room, Allison was like, we're going to bring you in to meet with the producers. And I was like, great. Okay. I think I just on a Tuesday, Friday, I went in and met Brian Koppelman and David Levine, the co-creators and showrunners. Again, it was immediately great. There was an incredible energy in the room. I went in and prepared the scene and did it. And then they gave me a couple adjustments. But I think they just said like one or two words. I mean, we just had a shorthand right away. You know, it was one of those things. Like I left that room being like, if I don't get this role, I'll definitely be working with them again on something because the energy was that strong. And then I had a third audition, (laughs) which was with Brian and David again, but then also the director of episode one of season two, Reed Moreno. Because I didn't know this at the time, But obviously they had an idea of how big of a character they wanted Taylor to be. And I think three auditions is a pretty serious vetting process. And I think they needed and wanted to do it because they really needed the person they cast to be able to ideally carry the character pretty far. And I actually remember that that third audition for Billions was on the same day. I had my third audition for Billions. I went home, got dressed, and then went to the season four premiere of Orange is the New Black because that was the first season of Orange that I was in. So that day alone was extraordinary. And then the next day, I remember I was in a car with two of my oldest and closest friends. We were driving upstate and I got the call or an email that I'd gotten the role. And it was incredible, life-changing and incredible to share it in that moment with these two people who I'd, who'd known me for more than 20 years. We, you know, we've grown up together and they've watched me do this for so long. And it's hard to let yourself want something. (laughs) For me, it's hard for me to let myself want something. Sometimes you audition for a role and you really want it. And ultimately, sometimes those are the roles you don't get. You know, there's a saying, if you don't want it, you're going to get it. But Billions was a role that I really, really wanted. And I knew I allowed myself to really want it, knowing that if I didn't get it, it would really hurt, but that that would be okay, because it would have been worth it to really want it. And so to have really wanted it and then have gotten it, It was a particular kind of wonderful, warm, all-encompassing feeling. I think I've heard Brene Brown talk about this, that because so many of us don't allow ourselves to actually be excited or be hopeful that we're going to get something. But if you cruise through life like that, it's just kind of like, oh, well. And then when you get it, it's like, oh, well. And, you know, you have to kind of have hope, celebrate the wins. If you don't get it, sit in that a little bit. Like, that's okay too. Yeah. 
Billions has such an epic cast. And when you walk onto that set, like the first time that you walked onto that set, is there like any imposter syndrome going on? What am I doing here? Like all these people are very famous. I'm feeling a little bit out of my depths. Or are you just fully have it? You're relaxed and ready to go. Yeah, gosh, I don't know what it says about me, but I walk into that environment and I'm like, finally. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't mean finally, like, because I'm so talented or I'm so great, but finally, I'm going to be working with people who are taking this as seriously as I am. And because we're taking it that seriously, we can actually let go and also have fun. And that is the winning combination of working on Billions for me. We show up on top of our shit. And because we're on top of our shit, we can joke and be friends and actually check in and connect with each other. And so I was just ready. I love a challenge. Like I knew that acting with Damien was going to make me better. Like I was like, after my first scene with Damien Lewis, I'm going to be a better actor. So like, I definitely want to do that. Like I definitely love showing up to work because it makes me better every time I do it. And I know that because I feel it the way I feel about the work I'm doing, regardless of what other people say. And so, yeah, I was just like, yes. We should all have that attitude going into things rather than being like, these people have achieved so much more than me. You probably just have like a standard answer to this, but we felt like we had to ask you, can you give us (laughs) any like hints of what's going to happen on this season? It just ended with Taylor smashing up a room. Yeah. That's the last thing we saw. That was so fun. They've given me some pretty outstanding, like the emotional stuff that I get to do is incredible. And the Falcon last season, the Rage Room this season, you know, it's incredible. And that was my first day back this season. So it was also, welcome back. You get to smash up this room. (laughs) This fancy room as well. It was a fancy smashy room. Yeah. And it was really incredible because, you know, like we filmed that many times. And so it's like okay, here we go, smash up the room. And then they're like, okay, take a break. And so I leave for 10, 15 minutes, whatever. And in comes our incredible crew. Someone's like sweeping up really fast. Someone else is like vacuuming and they're like restocking the shelves. And like, I mean, putting it all back. New plasma TV. New plasma TV, new everything to come back in and be like, okay, do it again. Like I saw, I mean, our crew is just the best, the best. So, you know, Taylor's back at Axe Capital. For me, I was really interested in how the dynamic between Taylor and Axe was going to play out and particularly how the dynamic between Taylor and Wendy was going to play out given that trust was (laughs) broken so many times and season four was such a game of cat and mouse, but it was like, who's the cat and who's the mouse and are we both actually cats? And like, you know, (laughs) and so this season, I mean, in episode one, it starts and Taylor is seemingly back at Axe Capital. Chuck thinks Taylor's working for Chuck, but then Taylor tells Axe, this is actually why I'm here. And But you still are like, but who is Taylor playing? <laughs> is Taylor playing anyone? You know, and I think this season, more than all the other seasons, all of the characters are struggling with how to feel good. <laughs> I think Taylor is trying to figure out more than ever how to be who they inherently believe that they are as acts as a profit generating organism. They happen to be good at this. So like, why wouldn't they use these skills? But this season more than ever, I think they're trying to figure out how to use those skills for the greatest good possible. So we would love to wrap up with some quick fires. Okay. So what is the first thing you'll do after isolation? 
I have a dog, so I leave my house safely three times a day to walk my dog. So I'm in like less isolation a little bit. Like I'm sort of like, I don't know, I'll go outside. Uh, yeah, I worked in restaurants for 17 years. I love restaurants. I love dining out. And so I definitely look forward to doing that again. And I look forward to coming out of quarantine to like higher pay for essential workers, like free healthcare for everyone. Like I'm looking forward to coming out of this better <laughs> overall in the way that we treat people that we've always thought were disposable. Other than Taylor, who is your favorite character on Billions? Ooh, I love me some Kate Zacker. Condola Rashad is just so, so, so phenomenally good. And I love that Kate is, I mean, she's so ambitious, laser focused on what she wants. And also Wendy, you know, Maggie Siff is also so extraordinary. I'm particularly drawn to those two characters. How many tattoos do you have? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> I was going yeah. through the movie, but I, I made a myth. yeah. <laughs> if you were an animal, which would you be? A turtle. Nice. Oh, that's a great answer. And it was very quick. You had to count how many tattoos you had, but the animal, you were like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, turtle. definitely. Yep, turtle. And last one. We did say we saw you in on an episode of Younger. And if you do watch it, are you Team Josh or Team Charles? <gasps> oh, God. No disrespect. And in fact, Hillary Duff and I were on a plane together and she very sweetly came up to me and was like, I love you on Billions. And I was like, uh-huh. I love you. I did say I love you on Younger because I, have, I haven't seen the show. But I've been a Hillary Duff fan for a really long time. So I'm Team Hill, 100%. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for making it so fun for us to stay up and chat to you because this is awesome. <laughs> thank you for having me. I hope you get some rest. I hope you're able to come down from the adrenaline rush of, <laughs> of your billions evening. Thank you so much and stay healthy and safe. Thank you, you too. What an incredible conversation that was with Asia and they actually followed us afterwards on Instagram. So we were pretty excited. We're pretty excited, not going to lie. We had a little chat about it and we have decided to add in our own pronouns into our email signature, which we're really excited about. And we definitely encourage other people to have a think about if that's something you would like to do as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's such a small thing that we can do after being a little bit more educated on the topic to make other people feel comfortable and create space for them to live an authentic life. So our attitude towards that is just, why wouldn't we really? For sure. So if you did like this episode, we would love you to help us get the word out. Please, please rate us five stars. Share a photo of you listening to the episode on Instagram and tag at how to live the podcast and also share it with your friends. Surely you guys have some friends who would like to listen to this episode, right? Why don't you just send it to them right now? Do it. Thank you. So next week on the podcast, we have a really dynamic duo. I feel like I use that joke all the time. You should have. Because it's me and Steph. Stephanie, it's the two of us. Just a little sisterly chat. Me and you, sister. So that's on next week. Have beautiful weeks. Take care of yourselves. Hug your loved ones or send them virtual hugs if you can't hug them in person. (laughs) And we'll see you on our Facebook page, How to Live the Podcast. See you there.